You are listening to a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. CCEF is committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and many more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Welcome to CCEF On The Go. I'm your host, Alastair Groves, a faculty member here at CCEF and the director of our School of Biblical Counseling. And especially relevant for today's episode, I'm also at our New England branch, where I work with my fellow colleague and good longtime friend, Robin Huck. Robin, thank you so much for being here for the last decade and counseling with me, and thank you for being here today for the podcast. My pleasure. Um, Robin, the, the question I would like to tackle today is one that you raised uh, a while back after you gave a particular conference talk. And the, the talk itself centered on questions of submission. Uh, you're particularly thinking marriage and women and men and husbands and wives. And uh, I remember you talking about one of the questions you got after that talk finished and feeling like, hmm, that was exactly the question I should have expected someone to ask but I wasn't expecting someone to ask it, and I wish I could do another take at the answer I wanted to give. And um, I, uh, I love that you think about such things and wanted to talk about it. If I am correctly remembering, his question went something like this. How do I encourage men, particularly, who, who don't take leadership instinctively? How do I help passive or abdicating men to get a vision for, hey, this whole headship thing, this leadership thing, this is good. This is something I should step into. Uh, your talk had been more focused on, I th maybe this is an oversimplification, but helping women to think about the role of submission in a way that isn't awful, uh, to put not too short of a point on it. So without getting into the whole talk, people can, can hear that. Um, that'll be our, our free resource giveaway at the end today. But um, what's your... Um, what is your sense of the question that was being asked and what is most on your mind in terms of saying here's how I'd like to to step toward a pastor or an elder or a counselor or someone who's trying to say I've got this man I want to help him step up yeah thank you thank you for this opportunity because you know once in a while you just come away from something and say uh, I want to do over can, can we just can we just try that again and of course you can't in the moment usually but so this is a this is my chance for a do-over in, in another pass at this question, uh, and yeah, you did you did frame the question well. I've got a feeling it was a pastor who was asking it, and I think he had okay. one person in mind. And so, my first thought is, I should have asked more questions because he didn't quite give me enough to to run with. Um, and the other thought I had was that boy, my I just had a moment of. My brain went dead. I had just given this talk, and I had just given it my all, and I was exhausted. And so the first question came by, and I just like, rather than, like, what would have been wise, it was be for me to simply look back at the talk I had just given and say, how did that material, how should that material be applied to this question? But I didn't do that. Instead of, I tried to reinvent the wheel right there and there, and then and there. And, uh, that was a bold move. Oh, yeah. Foolish as all get out, but um, I, I tried to answer with new thoughts, and they actually did not do well. Uh, my new thoughts did not come together, and so 
So yes, I should have asked him, you know, well, you'd have somebody in mind, who is this, you know, tell me a little bit more. Because my, my thought is that part of our challenge in um, encouraging leaders is that they think, they think a little too highly, actually, of the, the demand that's being asked on them. They get, they like, what? You want me to be a leader? And, and I think this, I think the first stage is just, this man probably just needed to engage. Engage, because I, th I think what he was talking about is a kind of husband who comes home from work and sits on the couch and kind of checks out. And th that was the little bit that he gave me. It was like, this was a man he had in mind who just wasn't engaged in the life that he was called to, to have. Anyway, so I would have asked him more questions and tried to see what, how can you know this man well so that you understand why he's like this? Why would he want to check out? Why would he not engage better? Because our first question for counseling would be, well, how well do I know this person? I want to know them very, very well before I try to tell him you know, give them advice. Hey, here's like, what to do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So can I, it, it sounds like what you're saying is um, at a certain basic level, even without knowing a lot about any one particular husband, there's there's a broad category out there that's going to be a um, frequently applicable idea that, um, that, that, that sometimes men are going to hear this call to lead, you need to be the head of your family, you need to be the spiritual director, whatever. And, and they are going to hear it as this overwhelming mountain that they're being asked to jump over. And, and that's actually going to reinforce the desire to check out, to run away, yes. to do nothing. And you're saying, don't get so hung up on capital L leadership. Um, start by getting off the couch and asking, what is going on in my home today, right this minute, that I could do something about that would be a blessing to my family? Exactly. Is that yes, exactly. Um, the... So the crux of this talk was seeing that some of the trouble in our submission and leadership relationships is the fact that, that we're not seeing ourselves as working as a team simply with different roles. And so, so that leader who gets bent out of shape, like, what? Lead? You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not equipped feeling should see no you're just you're just you it's okay and she's just her and god has given you both the gifts you need to come together and have a relationship that works as a head and helper combination you do you have what it takes to have this teamwork go so rather rather than there is this ideal type of leader that you must force yourself into. You have to, here's the mold, go be that. It's rather, no, there's all kinds of different ways to lead. You are who God has made you to be. Walk in that, engage in the context of that, rather than try to become something Exactly, static. exactly. We, we really have to come away from the idea of we know what the, a good leader looks like. We know, here are the lists, uh, this, this is what he will do. He'll do this, 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 and this. And that's what we want all husbands to do. We don't really have that list scripturally. Scripturally, what we have is a list of character qualities. We, 
what, what Jesus shows us in his leadership is not do this, do this, do this, but be this, be this, be this. And so the fruit of the spirit, the, uh, the love chapter, one, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, all these things will give us, you know, beatitudes, they all give us an idea of a character trait to have both as heads and as helpers. And out of that, we are able to do a teamwork that is really beautiful. And it doesn't require and shouldn't actually have. See, that's where we have to recognize this has gone wrong for so many generations. And that men have seen this uh, call to leadership as a uh, mandate to rule. And, and that is where it's all collapsed, because that's not what Jesus did. Uh, he was a servant leader. He was um, side by side with those he led. And it was a beautiful picture of, of teamwork, yes, with different roles, but, uh, but not with a, an oppressive or harsh side to it at all. And so what we're asking this man to do is to be the encourager, to be the lover of, of the people he is called to serve, not to call all the shots, uh, tell them what to do, uh, be responsible for every little thing and make sure that people do what he wants. Nah, that's not it at all. Um, so we really have to come away from this old pattern that many people have done that has almost uh, snowballed into what's now considered, dare I say, this is what is considered toxic masculinity. It's that I'm in charge, you're not, end of story. Yeah. And what we see actually more in scripture is uh, we are the body of Christ. We are a team that is to work together. Look, this is the pattern God has given us since the garden, and it is a good pattern. And he has, he has set this up for our good, and um, the more we can see that it's a blessing to everyone, the better off we'll be. Hmm. I wonder, I'm just sort of being struck by this um, as I'm listening to you, but I wonder if it's actually, in a sense, if it's the same mistake that you actually get on both sides of the equation, it, thinking about men, not thinking about the two ways in which men can fall off the, the path. On the one hand, the, the harsh, authoritarian, toxic masculinity, whatever you want to call it, but that sort of, I'm in charge here, darn it, and I will rule mentality or the man who's abdicating and, and checking out. On both sides, there's a sense of what leadership is, is it is this sort of um, radical executive um, directorship of all details of life. And so either I'm attracted to that and I selfishly grab it because I like control, or I'm freaked out by that and I chuck the whole thing and say, I don't want any control. I don't want responsibility. You can have the responsibility. Mm, um, but possibly. in both cases, there's a, there's a sense of seeing it as a, um, yeah, seeing it as this, as this call to sort of a, um, uh, oh, what's what I'm looking for? I mean, I, I don't want to, there is a responsibility that headship implies, but, but a, um, a kind of, uh, a authoritarian level of control maybe that 
uh, again, is either attractive or petrifying and will then tend to send guys in one direction or the other. Is that ringing true? Feel free to yes. say. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, that does ring true uh, with the understanding that that is a preconceived notion that is wrong. Right, right, yeah. right, right, yeah. exactly. Okay. And so, and so what, what, yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Yes, that is how I'm understanding that the problem is the preconceived notion, and that's why it tends to divide uh, men into two broad categories of, of sinful temptation in response. Whereas what you're saying is, look at Jesus. It's not authoritarian, but it's also not, uh, it's not weak and people-pleasing and obsequious. It's, um, he loved, and he was incredibly proactive and thoughtful and he pursued and he knew what was good and so he went and pushed for that in the lives of those around him but it wasn't a uh, demanding um, here's exactly how you must do every step kind of pushing it was a pushing of I will ask the hard questions I will walk with you in patience I will not let you go am I, am I hearing yeah. the heart of what you're right that's the model that he gives and also um, and also in God's promises to us, I mean, he does provide all we need for, lo for life and godliness. And we can ask, what, what has he provided? What has he, what has he provided this husband as, as what, what he should, the way his leadership should look and the way, and how has he provided his wife with other skills that will mesh here? I, I often use that tandem bicycle um, metaphor for Carl and I ride a tandem and we ride a traditional tandem where the captain is in the front seat and frankly has most of the controls all the controls he's got the brakes he's got the steering he's got the shift and the stoker is in the back seat and um, is absolutely needed but in a completely different role well that's a traditional tandem bike but you know there are a lot of different types of tandem bicycles I don't know if you've seen them out there, but in, in, we've done some long-distance bike rides uh, along in groups, and sometimes um, uh, up here there's the Prouty that we do. So, so it's a you know it's a fundraiser kind of thing. So all sorts of people show up with all sorts of different types of bicycles, and so we have seen lots of different configurations of tandem bicycles that all function really well. Two people riding one bicycle. But some, in some, the captain is up high in the back and the stoker is, is actually in a recumbent position in the front mm -hmm. and vice versa. Sometimes the captain is in the recumbent position up front and the stoker is in the back. There's all sorts of configurations that are very creative and it all has to do with the strengths and weaknesses of the people who are the riders. Mm -hmm. And you can choose what kind of bike you ride in order to fulfill this mission of taking this ride that you are, that's a gift from God. It's, it's kind of neat to think that we have choices, we have freedom within this call to be in this relationship um, of husband and wife, and it doesn't all have to look the same. And when we look at a, a, some other couple, we should not look in and judge the way they do their leading and following. We should not say that's wrong because it doesn't look like this pattern over here. This is the one and only way to do it. Get in line. Yeah, that's just... Yeah. <clears throat> Last question. Just sort of a two-minute little fun uh, task for us here. 
Let's come back to this initial question. Okay, Pastor Chansom says, I've got this guy, and he's, he, he tends to get home from work and crash in front of the TV. And let's just, you know, let, let's make up a, a, an easy-to-imagine scenario. He, he is um, he's a good worker. He gets his job done. He's not, you know, he's not a drug addict. He's not a drunk. He's not showing up late to work every day. He's not about to get fired. He does, does a good job, but he, but he comes home. Doesn't and beat his wife. Right, doesn't beat his wife, right, and, and he, he doesn't yell at her, he just, you know, he sort of sits in front of the TV for a while, um, and then is happy to show up and have dinner put on the table for him, and, you know, he, he pays the taxes, you know, he's not, like, he doesn't do anything around the house, he cuts the lawn on Saturday, um, but, but the wife is feeling like I'm not getting any leadership from this guy, any, any protection, any of that sort of loving, like, I, I would like more here, and the pastor is looking at this saying, yeah, I see a lack of something here with this guy, how can I help him? Um, your, your initial thought of, I want to help this man engage. I just, I'm not, let's, on some level, let's take this whole leadership question and maybe even just break it down into an initial step of, I want to help him engage more. Um, any thoughts just on what, what would it look like to encourage him to engage or how would you speak about leadership? How would you hope the pastor spoke to him? Again, knowing the pastor hopefully knows him much better than we do. Right, right. Um, I would also include the wife in this equation because I think we need to ask her the same question of what kind of leadership are you expecting from this man? Are you, do you have a cookie-cutter approach to what you think you want out of him that you are saying that he fails because he doesn't meet these requirements that you have of him? I want to make sure that she is, is also aware that we have strengths and weaknesses and it's not going to look like other couples. Um, and I want to make sure that she is not discouraging his engagement by saying, oh, not like that. You know, oh, I want you to engage, but not like that. And I want you to lead, but not like that. Uh, because he's got to grow in this. He's got to grow in what it is to engage well and, and to lead well and stuff. So we don't we are often given roles that we have to grow into. And the marriage, husband and wife, is definitely one of those. We become husband and wife, bing, there it is, we are married, but now we grow into this relationship. And so, so he's got to have a chance to grow into it, and without her critical eye on him, which is discouraging him. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I would ask her to recognize his needs at that moment of coming home from work. Let's just grab that moment. Yeah, he's probably exhausted. He just had a, a day of work. No, she has too. But could they both consider the other at this moment? What, how can we work together and actually love each other well at this moment? Is it that he doesn't sit down on the couch right away, but instead goes in and plays with the kids so that she can have a quick breather of a, of a moment to read the newspaper, or vice versa. Could she just kind of in her mind say, okay, he gets home at 5, but I'm going to kind of not expect anything from him for, till 5.20, you know, just knowing that he just needs to decompress a little bit. Let's, let's think of our, ourselves both as physical beings who need rest before we're able to engage in this next little moment of life. So I think we can go right down to the details of what does he need right now? What does she need right now? How can we love each other well right in this moment? That's engaging. 
that's thinking of the other, uh, but also understanding my own um, needs yeah. in there too. Well, and what I what I like about it, the way you're posing it, is is it's I, one way I can imagine approaching such a husband would be to be like, look, dude, she's had a tough day too. Stop it with your selfish hogging of the rest here, and um, yeah, come in, go play with the kids, and get her a break and. How could you think anything else? You know, this is what you need to do because you need to step up and be less selfish. Which is not to say there's not a time and a place for a fairly straightforward um, approach to a guy who may just be completely oblivious to the fact that his wife has had anything to do at, mm -hmm. during the day or that she might need rest or that anyone besides him. So could very possibly be a helpful wake-up call to him. But the way I hear you framing it is more of a, wouldn't it be great for the husband to actually proactively initiate a conversation like, hey, when I get home from work, I know I'm tired, I imagine you're tired, let's brainstorm together what it could look like for us to do 5 to 5.30 well in our household. Um, let's get creative, let's try something, let's see how it goes, and if it doesn't go well, let's revisit it. And the idea being, hey husband, let, let that be your, um, own that conversation making sure it happens, making sure it gets revisited in two weeks if it you know, needs to be revisited, or just that kind of, mm -hmm. um, here's, this is not so much about you claiming leadership, making a decision of how the household's gonna operate, but rather of move towards your wife and have the conversation and um, recognize that you can bless her here. Mm -hmm. And that, and she that would be a you. good assignment yeah. for him to go yeah. ahead and, and show this leadership of care for his wife to have that conversation. If he's not ready to do that, let's roll it back. That first conversation could be in with the pastor or in the counseling room. That first conversation could be there. And then you could say, okay, now it's your job to have the next one. Find your next moment of friction. Is it Saturday morning? Is it you know, getting ready for church? What, where is the next spot where you can say, this is a spot where I can see that we need to work together better as a team. And then we'll build out from there, add, add another spot, add another spot, so that we are engaging together more as a team going forward. I'm having this horrible realization that this probably means I need to start putting my socks in the hamper. Is that what you're trying to tell me, Robin? Well, Is that a way to were, love my if wife? If you were to truly love you your wife. think she cares about that? Absolutely she cares about that. Oh, no. <laughs> my, my home has just been shaken now. No. Robin, thank you so much for coming in for thinking about these things as long and deeply as you have and for uh, just thinking this through from the other side of the equation from the one that you're often thinking about as you pull these topics together. So great to be here. Thank you for having the conversation. Thank you, Alistair. As always, we like to give away a free resource that has something to do with the topic that we've been talking about in the podcast. And as I said earlier in the conversation itself, the resource I'd like to give away this time is Robin's talk from our most recent conference. It's called Ancient Text Meets the 21st Century, Submission in Marriage. For those of you who may not be aware, Robin's actually written a series of three articles in the Journal of Biblical Counseling on the topic of submission. And I spent enough time talking with her about it to know that it's stuff that is coming not just from extensive theological research and reading, but also from uh, one of the key places where she has 
worked to know the Lord and love Him and serve Him and follow Him deeply in her own life. And you'll get some of that story if you read uh, read her articles. But this particular uh, talk was the one that inspired the podcast, so it seemed fitting that we would give it away. You can find it on our webpage, ccef.org slash podcast. And it will be free until our next episode goes up, which is always the way we like to do it. So feel free to email us, podcast at ccef.org, with any thoughts, questions, comments. We do appreciate hearing from you and uh, getting a sense of what what topics catch your interest uh, and what questions you have for us. Until next time, blessings. Blessings.